This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Headlock Talk is brought to you by... Austin-based company Naturally Hemp's and their new line of CBD gummies. These gummies are made with 100% baked-in, pharmaceutical-grade, non-isolate-based CBD. What we're talking about here is the entourage effect. The entourage effect refers to the stronger effect you get when combining multiple cannabinoids together as opposed to just CBD. Full-spectrum CBD or CBD distillate tends to be more potent and last longer, which is what we're talking about here. Unlike some other brands that use a spray-on CBD, Naturally Hemp CBD distillate is baked in so you know you're getting the full dose with each gummy. I personally use them for all kinds of things like sleep aid or muscle pain. And did I mention they taste great? They got five flavors, uh, strawberry, green apple, lemon lime, watermelon, and get this, the orange flavor has vitamin C in it. So if this sounds like something you could go for, head over to your nearest Creative Sig vape shop and pick yours up today to see for yourself the difference Naturally Hemp's gummies can make in your life. On the series finale of Headlock Talk, I'm joined by three very special guests as we discuss probably one of the most important wrestling events of all time, and that is really the birth of AEW. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of Headlock Talk. I am, of course, the Texas Gentleman Tanner Pruitt, and along with me here, not just one, not just two, but I've got three, count them, three lovely guests today, uh, two of which are making their debut. Uh, so we, we've got a, a, a four horsemen stable of, of, of sorts here uh, today of, of content creators. I'll go in the round here. Uh, you know him, you love him, you've heard of him. He makes really inappropriate jokes on this show. Um, he's he's almost gotten me canceled a number of times. Uh, <laughs> my partner uh, for Radio Techers, Mags. Mags, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing well. I'm the Paul Roma of this podcast. <laughs> a, a title not given lightly. Uh, <laughs> uh, next to Mags here uh, in the rotation, a man who, uh, I, again, is making his, his Headlock Talk debut surprisingly. He has been featured on Headlock Talk uh, on at least a few occasions, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I've I've wanted to have him on this show for for years, literally years, and finally got it to happen right here. Uh, Conrad from Everything Pro Wrestling, how are you doing today, Tanner? Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, we actually we tried this for a long time. I think you appeared on mine once. And yeah, we just have scheduling conflicts. I think. Mm-hmm. So it's that New York versus Texas thing, but we're all right. I'm glad we're getting to do it now. It's better late than never. So basically, you have to cancel your show to get him on. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, oh, come on. <laughs> oh goodness, and uh, and then to Conrad's left here, as far as the screens are concerned, uh, another man who I've uh, long been inspired by and wanted to have on my show. Uh, he, you know him, you love him. Uh, Canada's own favorite son, the one and the only Mr. Warren Hayes. Warren, welcome. Thank you, Tanner. I'm so sorry that I inspired you because then you'd be doing things right. <laughs> if you, if I didn't, I'm deeply apologetic. Thank you for the welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, uh, another guy popping up, you know, as the as the shows go, as your shows disappearing, you know, I, I kind, I kind of enjoy that. Uh, yeah, I kind of enjoy the fact that you know I'm just watching everything circling the drain. You know, <laughs> <It's interesting. laughs> well, well, it, it, this, uh, this is actually going to be the the final episode. I, I, I didn't tell you guys that either, but this will be the closer. Uh, so again, I wouldn't have it any other way here than the four of us to sit and chat. Uh, uh, really about uh, something that um, is quite organic, something that, that really never was supposed to happen, maybe even never should have happened, but but it happened. And and, and the, the story of All Elite Wrestling is thoroughly enjoyable. I, I, I think I actually enjoyed the story of AEW becoming its its own thing more than the actual product itself in some ways. Um, that being said, we got to start somewhere, gentlemen. Uh, so, Mags, I'll, I'll start with you first here. What does AEW mean to you? Okay. Um, well, as everybody on this show knows and everybody who listens will probably know, I took a, a decade-long sabbatical from wrestling. It was just something that wasn't interesting me at the time. I wasn't, it wasn't kind of like uh, appealing to me. And I got dragged back in uh, in about 2016 with the whole uh, uh, rise of Kenny Omega and, uh, and this quadrology with uh, with Kazuchika Okada. Um, so... All uh, all elite wrestling for me was was part of that because it's it, one of the main stars of it is who dragged me back into watching wrestling again. Um, so seeing this company come from essentially a bet between uh, a, a wrestling journalist and some kind of um, um, released WWE talent who wanted to to kind of forge his own path uh, to where it is now, essentially the the second biggest company in the world. 
um, it's it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I've, I've never, I haven't been the kind of uh, the all singing, all dancing stan of AW. Whenever there's issues, I, I uh, call them out just as much as whenever I've loved something, I'm happy to sing it from the rooftops. But it's the first real wrestling company that I've watched grow from a seed to where it is now. So yeah, it's uh, it's really important for me. Well, I mean, I, and I think that there's a lot of people who certainly do share that sentiment. I, I know that probably, I, I don't want to assume that all of us here on the dais, you know, are totally non-biased and don't have a favorite one way or the other. But I, I know that all four of us here in this chat are fans of pro wrestling first and foremost, no matter what. And I think that's really kind of maybe helped birth AEW in a lot of ways. I mean, would, would you... Uh, I mean, would you agree with that, Conrad? I think so. Um, All Elite Wrestling kind of changed how I was producing content at the time. I was already doing a lot of this stuff, but I was uh, my focus was different. I wasn't into the podcasting element. I was doing YouTube, and I was getting sick of the. It was the mundane Monday Night Raw reviews, and I'm like, here we go again. And I just started. I felt myself turning into insert whatever YouTuber's name that likes to scream into the microphone about Monday Night Raw. I was turning into that, and I was not enjoying it. <laughs> That's right, Warren. He raised his hand. <laughs> we, we were, uh, like, I just turned into that, and I was like, there's nothing happening. I don't know. We, I needed something fresh. And then I started feeling, like, this energy coming in from, like, I started watching more New Japan. I got really into Lucha Underground at the time. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this started to bubble up, and I'm like, something's going on here. Something feels very weird. I, you you start hearing all the rumors of the contracts coming up, and you're like, what's going on? And it all just happened, like, perfect timing, and everything came full circle. I'm sure we'll get into more of it, but it was mm-hmm. just the right time, I think, for wrestling fans to get something new. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Warren, uh, again, kind of the same question along the same lines. I mean, AEW as a catalyst for change – I mean, how how do you how were you feeling around that time when AEW was first, I guess, burgeoning t- itself together? I think, <clears throat> I think there's a great way to start clearing my throat. Well, <laughs> hello everyone, welcome to the very professional show starring Mr. Warren Hayes. Uh, the um, I think because uh, both Mags and Conrad made very salient points, but I think ultimately what make what makes AEW work, what made all in work was a uh, a fatigue in regards to WWE um, for good or ill. You know the, the stuff they put out is still the big leagues. It's the major leagues, but at some point it is always the same flavor. And sometimes you do want a little variety. Baskin mm. Robbins has thirty two, not two. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's the same thing. So, like Conrad said, you could feel. You know. People tuning into New Japan more. You could, you know, Lucha Underground. Uh, you were, uh, you know, a lot of the indies. You know, the, uh, a certain promotion called Game Changer Wrestling, you know, was starting to do stuff out in Jersey. So there was a feeling, a need for variety from fans, uh, which ultimately, uh, which was ultimately proven at the All In show, but. This is what AEW provides. This is what it does. It is the first truly national promotion to have a weekly televised show on cable to provide a a true alternative to WWE. Easily accessed, 
stars, uh, high production value. Of course, you know, you've got impacts been there for a while. You know, sure, you know, of course. But I'm talking like on, on the scale. Mm. I'm talking on a, on a level of scale. Um, and that to me, I think what makes it what makes it most interesting is that it legitimizes wrestling as a, a form of entertainment which is sought for. Maybe not as much as a certain era, but still something that uh, that uh, uh, that people will tune into and people want more of mm. in, outside of just like what they get on Mondays and Fridays. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's very well said for sure, uh, gentlemen. Our our story really begins as all good stories do on Twitter. Uh, when in May of 2017, uh, someone had hit up uh, Dave Meltzer, uh, pro wrestling journalist and historian. You, you know that never no, heard of him. No, nobody, nobody knows him. Okay, Uncle Dave got hit up on Twitter uh, with a question, a very poignant question, uh, basically along the lines of, "Would our uh, Ring of Honor ROH ever sell out a uh, 10,000 seat venue?" Could they sell over 10,000 seats? Um, to which his response was, not any time soon. Um, Cody Rhodes and, and the Young Bucks, to their credit, uh, decided they would take up Uncle Dave on that bet. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of boomed from there. Uh, the idea for Ring of Honor to put together this show of its own doing, promoted by Cody and the Young Bucks... They had these partnerships in place with, um, you know, New Japan, of course. But, I mean, there's always been a long-standing history with uh, uh, them and Impact talent, them and uh, talent from PWG. A lot of them all kind of run in the same circles. And soon you've got something really organic here, Mags. Um, I, I, I will note, I do tend to believe in a slightly different narrative. Um, and I think you touched on it here earlier, and so I, I want to kind of go back and readdress this. Um, you were talking about how New Japan had been, you know, really kind of exceeding, and, and, and that it was the Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada match that really dragged you back into wrestling full force. Um, would there be an AEW without that match? Uh, that, that, that's something that I've always wondered myself. Do you believe that AEW would have still been a thing without Kenny Omega or Kazuchika Okada and the impact that New Japan made? That, that's actually a really tough question because um, if you look at uh, what the catalyst was for, for All In, it wasn't particularly Kenny Omega that was front and centre. It was Cody Rhodes. It was mm. Cody who was uh, who was uh, using his um, his reputation as a WWE superstar, then going on to uh, make his uh, remake his name almost on the Indies and then uh, into uh, New Japan and, and Ring of Honor. So I think the the onus was really on on Cody, and for me, that's a big big risk for for somebody like Cody, especially with the lineage that he had with uh, with his with his father and obviously his brother uh, was a, a huge superstar for him to to feel that need to break out of the shadow and 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 take this risk because at the end of the day booking a 10,000 seat uh, arena and packing it out with a star studded show that's a lot of that's a lot of hope on essentially some internet buzz 
Mm-hmm. Looking back now, uh, it absolutely worked. But at that time, there must have been a lot of uh, trepidation. Was that built on the back of Kenny and uh, and uh, Kazuchika's uh, amazing matches? Slightly, but I don't think that was the only factor. I think the 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 books especially were so good at using that uh, that social media presence to to uh, increase their kind of like foothold in wrestling. So whilst it was a big factor, I don't think it it would have uh, maybe uh, curtailed the whole event. Uh, I still think that we could have got to where we got to with all in uh, if if Kenny had not even had those matches with with Kazuchi if he'd have broke away from New Japan and came uh, across uh, a lot sooner. I think we could have still potentially had all in and, and AEW in, in the in the form that it's in now. Mm. Well, and and that definitely leads us to another point. In you know, obviously the Young Bucks and Cody helped do, doing the self promotion, but there was also the whole YouTube series of being the elite. Uh, which was a, a vital part of getting the word out and helping foster this community for people to go and see the show. Um, I mean, Conrad, with with you being on YouTube and and that being your specialty, your bread and butter for for so long. Um, I mean, talk talk to me about the importance of what being the elite meant to getting us to all in. I'm going to piggyback off of Mags first. I think that there are a lot of players in the game, like Mags said, that get forgotten about with this. It wasn't just Okada and Omega, like you said. It wasn't even Mm -hmm. just Cody. I think we have to give respects to the invisible hand. I know nobody's going to want to say it, but I think Don Callis plays a big part in this as well. When he was able to get Chris Jericho while he was still working for the WWE, that's unheard of these days that Vince was like, yeah, go ahead, go do it. You signed off on the wrong thing, buddy, because you just let somebody go have fun. And now they're like, ah, this would be fun to do all the time. And Jericho's the other person I wanted to name. Chris Jericho has a big, big influence on a lot of this. And I think he showed it doesn't matter how big a star you are, you still would love to be able to do what you want to do, whether it's being a rock star, uh, anything else. He has his own podcast series, and that leads us, I guess, back to BTE. BTE was a tremendous device that was picking up steam. Um, at the time, Ring of Honor was kind of super popular. We would always get the Global War show uh, locally here in Buffalo, New York, and I would always go because I'm like, dude, this is going to be a great match. Derek, who I do my podcast with, uh, ignore all of his opinions if you ever hear them. But for this mm-hmm. one thing, I like it because he came out with me to a Ring of Honor show and he was like, oh, dude, I haven't watched wrestling in so long. He was like, I don't even know what it's like anymore. He was like an Attitude Era guy. And during all of this, he got to see the Young Bucks. And instantly he was like, oh, the Super Kick dudes, they're so sweet. And the see ya. Like he learned all this stuff instantly like that. And he was like, dude, we got to go see one of those shows again. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, those dudes are sweet. And, and he started watching Being the Elite. He was like, this is funny. I like this stuff. They're taking little shots at Vince and whatever it may be. And it kind of changed the whole game. This show was really built all off of social media's back. Some mm-hmm. of the matches were just on social media. One in particular that we'll probably end up talking about. It was entirely on social media. That is crazy to me. And people were popping for things. A 10,000-seat arena popping for things that were just on social media. I think it's foretelling of where wrestling is going. And I Mm. think that sparked a light bulb in some other people's minds. Conrad is absolutely right. And I think we, we, we cannot underscore how crucial being the elite has been to the creation of AEW. 
because look, uh, you know, Harold Mage, Ma- Mage, how do you pronounce it? Is it Mage, the former head of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Mm. Mage, mm. I think. Mage, just simply Mage. like that. I've heard it both ways. Look, Harold. Harold. Yeah. Okay, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you know, he didn't have, he didn't end up having the best relationship with the, with the, uh, with the elite towards the end for a bunch of reasons. And I'm convinced that one of them is because the guys were shooting stuff while they were on tour in New Japan and putting it on YouTube without any foresight from New Japan. They were building their own thing on the side to a point where they broke off from the elite and then the elite from Bullet Club. They created the Bullet Club elite. And you know that created frictions, like legit frictions on the inside. Tamatanga is clearly, you know, the best example of of a guy who was like, "What are these guys going to do over here?" You know, they're not real. They're not real Bullet Club. We started getting the firing squad and all that. You knew that there was something legit in this heat that they were that they were creating. AEW would not have happened without being the elite, and being the elite mm-hmm. is a is a uh, concerted effort of Kenny, the Bucks, and Cody. Just as simple as that. It's because it, when they come to North America, they do they do BTE stuff with the with the North American indie guys. Like that mm-hmm. that was it. And the the North American indie guys they wanted to be on BTE because they know they'd get great exposure out of it. Mm-hmm. It's so it, it and 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 that's the thing that that followed AEW right into its creation. AEW has always been a grassroots thing. It's always been connecting with the fans first. It's always been their thing. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, when when people freak out because Tony Khan is on Twitter responding to fans and they're like, he's the CEO. Jesus, this is their MO. This yeah. is how the company was built. So it makes it even wilder to me when you think that the that the young bucks had to t- disappear off of Twitter for for a while because I'm like, because it, 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 it was kind of counter counter to their strategy to how they create how they they position and create themselves mm-hmm. and it was the natural thing to do because on one hand you have this corporation that in in the minds of fans i'm not calling this as fact or whatever but in the minds mm-hmm. of fans you have this one corporation that's like we don't listen to you you're going to like roman reigns you know yeah. it's like you're, you're going to like it. and on the other hand you have these guys saying we're listening to y'all what yeah. do you guys want to see we're 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 fun. We're, we're, we're hip. We're, we got our fingers on the pulse and we'll prove it to you. Mm-hmm. And they did. Well, and, and to piggyback off that too, uh, WWE in a lot of senses, not only would go as far as saying, we're not listening. They would straight up lie to you in some cases yeah. and say, you know, Hey, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to listen. We're, what do you guys want? And, and yet nothing <laughs> would ever like, yeah, yeah. Like, like there, the changes would be very, Minimal at best. We'd get Lacey Evans. You get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or 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 King Corbin or yeah. something something like that. Um, uh, a lot of the um, a lot of this pay per view was not really t- tremendously built off of storylines. A lot of the matches were kind of ruled out, and it's like, oh, okay, well, this is cool. Yeah, I want to see this match. Oh, I'm going to see, you know, Rey Mysterio on the card with a with a a, a super lucha team. A, a lucha dream team of sorts, uh, teaming against the Young Bucks and Kota Ibushi. That sounds great. I'm all about it. Um, but 
the one story that really kind of just organically came together with this show was Cody challenging for the NWA title uh, against uh, Nick Aldis. Um, and and that in and of itself is, is vitally important too because NWA was also on the come up as well. You know, they, they have been kind of wallowing in obscurity for a long, long time. Smashing Pumpkins singer and guitarist Billy Corgan buys the company. He tries to put money into it. And Nick Aldis really kind of puts that championship and NWA's history on his on his back and just kind of carries it to this level to where it's going to be headlining a major pay-per-view, a major non-WWE pay-per-view for the first time ever, basically. Yeah. Um Absolutely, and uh, I think Nick Aldis is so criminally uh, underappreciated in wrestling for, for like I said, carrying uh, the hopes and dreams of, of uh, a, a company that has got the, uh, the longest lineage in wrestling. Um, for him, and this was coming off the, the was it 30 uh, uh, defences in 60 days uh, uh, run that he did with the, with the 10 pounds of gold. Uh, and and Cody obviously wanted to link him with the lineage of his father. I mean, his his dad was massive in the NWA, uh, and if he can kind of uh, emulate a little bit of that, it really adds to uh, Cody's legacy. So this, there was an emotion there, and I remember at the time um, there being a lot of backlash. Uh, uh, this was kind of like the the almost the start of lol Cody wins booking. Uh, booking for the boys. And I remember at the time being fiercely defensive of Cody and, and saying, no, he needs to win this match. He yeah. needs to be in this match because of what it means to him. Uh, the the whole image of the of, it, of his dad holding the title up and then uh, it faded into Cody doing it. They're pretty much the same uh, pause on the top turnbuckle. It needed to happen. And it was such a well-told story. And, I've never been a massive Cody fan. I've always appreciated his, his work ethic, uh, but for me, he's never been someone who stood out. And this was the first time I got him. I got his passion for wrestling. I got that he wanted to uh, build a legacy. Um, and then he went on and did even better things with the with the match with his brother uh, and then building of the company. I fell off a little bit because of some of the kind of like, Every big guy loses to to Cody on their uh, their uh, entrance into AW, but you can't you can't blame the guy for having that balls to say I don't want that guaranteed WWE money. I want to go out and carve my own path. And he found a, a group that were willing to uh, be a part of that story, and mm. he's created an amazing company in in two years. It's it's mind blowing what he and his team have done. We also, we, I mean, we've also got to make sure to underscore the fact that he's got football money behind him, right? Oh like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like he could not have done this with his own wallet. I understand. No, that. and he, but I even take it a step further. I don't think it couldn't. AEW could not exist if it wasn't football cash. If it wasn't an NFL owner's money investing in this, I don't because remember Panda Energy. You remember, you remember, you remember Dixie Carter? There you go. Mm -hmm. They would not be, they would not be on bloody TNT if it wasn't for the fact that they had the con, the Jacksonville Jaguar cons money 
It sounds the Jacksonville Jaguar con, right? It's like Fulham FC's uh, con as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. But but for real, like like it's they needed that type of backing for this project to to hit the height. It's been it hasn't even been a full two years. No, it has been. No, uh, I'm confused. It's It's going to be two years this year. Yeah. Mm So it hasn't been a full two years. Jeez, twenty twenty completely screws up your your perception of time. Um, but uh, it hasn't been. And look at what they're doing. They've got they've they've got spinoffs. TBS is saying, Warner's saying, give us another show. We'll put it we'll put it on the other network, and 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 we'll give you super cards. And I mean, it hasn't even been two years. Mm-hmm. None of this would be happening if they didn't have that kind of money. A, a plus a hundred million dollar TV deal that they've re-signed multiple times in that two years. It's wild. multiple times. A games I, division. Listen, that's a big deal. That all that money he spent, and like you said, the con money is long. But I want to bring it back to a point Mags had brought up before. When you look at, we talk about BTE, the NWA in that ten pounds of gold series really was well put together. Mm-hmm. And, and Cody being the perfect person in that match, you had the legacy, the pictures, the videos of stuff from his father. And I remember they did like a really long presentation before this match happened where it was like a big YouTube video. And I love the video packages. I'm one of those people that I'm like, oh, this is so cool. It gets me invested in the story. Mm-hmm. And Cody's great at doing that in the ring. And I also want to throw in this little side mention. We talked about all the other stuff that they had going on amongst the elite and the Bullet Club. These guys were in Hot Topic, too. Yeah, That's a big clothing line. Like, you just don't have wrestling shirts hanging around, and you would just go in the mall, and you're like, dude, did I just see a Bullet Club shirt in the mall? Like, that's crazy. And it's it was one of the – I'm telling you, one of the hottest shirts at the time were the Bullet Club shirts. Mm-hmm. Like, I just used to see them everywhere. I, I went to I went to Disney and there was a dude walking around with a Bullet Club shirt. I was like, "Whoa, all right." Well, that, and it's just one of those things you just know. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, know, you, you throw up the too sweet. I, you know, I he... was too sweeted in an airport in Turkey because <laughs> not even a job. I had a I had a Bullet Club shirt on and I was too sweet in a queue in a in a Turkish airport. That's how far the reach of Bullet Club and and AEW was getting. That's uh yeah hey I'm you glad know. you specified you were in a in an airport when yeah. that happened uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> just just run, randomly just in the middle of Turkey yeah I was ordering a and, falafel I threw up the two sweet <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> the guy uh, said you don't even have to pay for the falafel no he's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow. gentlemen let's uh, let's dig into this card here because uh, th- this card's actually quite dense and for all intents and purposes uh, you know the the show in its entirety is quite critically acclaimed um, we had two matches on the on the uh, undercard the pre-show uh, socal uncensored uh, which would have been uh, Frankie Kazarian Scorpio Sky teaming up to face the Briscoe brothers of uh, ring of honor fame uh, they had a nice little tag match there, went, uh, went about uh, 12 and a half minutes. And then we also had the 19-person over-budget battle royal, <laughs> uh, which uh, the winner would go on to face Jay Lethal later on in the evening uh, for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I mean, gentlemen, this was this was the the original buy-in here uh, to getting yourself into uh, All In. Um, I was watching the show very recently, and I was still put aback as to how over Flip Gordon was at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so talk to me, Conrad. Talk to me about uh, uh, Flip Gordon and uh, just the the magnetism about uh, Flip Gordon at the time. Well, Flip Gordon was trying to get on the show. That was the whole gimmick on BT. They're like, we're not booking Flip. No, we can't. We can't have this. And it was just the perfect setup. Like, going into it, you knew, like, okay, Flip Gordon's got to be on the show some way, somehow. How are they going to fit him in? And I thought uh, what they did in the Battle Royal, genius. And I love that you – so for every protagonist, you have to have the antagonist. Bully Ray was absolutely – maybe he was on the show a little too much just for some people's taste – but Bully Ray is the absolute biggest jerk that fans would want to boo. Hence what's going on now. Eddie Kingston and Bully Ray is a work. If you hear this after the fact, I'm telling you now, this is going <laughs> to lead to a match when they get to New York. But I really, really liked um, how they pushed him in this one just to be – he was mean to Marco even when you first see Marco. I didn't know anything about some of the guys on this card like I know them now. Marco said, I'm like, who is this dude? I'm like, why is Bully Ray doing this? And I felt bad. Like, there was just pity for this man as soon as I saw it. Um, and Flip Gordon just comes in to save the day. It, it, it was just perfect. I loved how they did it. It was a great buildup. And I believe that the winner got a Ring of Honor title shot, wasn't it, right? Correct. That, that, okay. Yeah, against Jay Lethal. Mm-hmm. Jay, I, I, Jay Lethal. I, I, but I'm with I'm with Conrad. You know, you you discover a bunch of guys here, and I distinctly remember watching Marco stunt hit the ring. And I'm like, oh, isn't that nice? They're letting one of the kids, one of the guys' kids, <laughs> in the match. Isn't that nice? <laughs> That's literally yeah. what I thought. <laughs> but it's crazy. Look at where we are now, two years later, and look at look at Flip now. Like mm. Flip is lost. Like this mm-hmm. this this magic that we had about him, and he, you know. He's he's not the same guy at all. He's not he's not even half as over as he was. It's crazy how just this short span of time how everything has changed. It really makes you wonder what happened uh, behind the scenes because because uh, there was a, they completely haha, flipped on flip. You know <laughs> they had him in their intro. Yeah. They had yeah. they had in a yeah. book flip. You know they had that in their. You know their eight-bit intro, sixteen-bit intro of for for being the elite for the longest time, and then now, no persona non grata. It's really weird. Yeah, it, it was essentially a, an unofficial member of, of the elite for a long, mm-hmm. long time. I mean, there was a, they used to have a section of uh, Marty and Flip do Japan, uh, which was all about Flip, uh, and then they had Brande kind of uh, championing him mm-hmm. um, uh, in in all the way through this event, and yeah, it's it's. It's really weird how far his star has, has fallen. I'd really like love said. to know what happened. I'd yeah. really like, probably like in thirty years, we'll get a, a Flip Gordon shoot interview, <laughs> some somewhere, you know, it's like, and then we'll um, he'll spill the beans. We'll get it on bell to bells. There you well, go. He, well, unless he gets a sex change, because we talk about women on bell to bells. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just tried to strong arm a, a link in. <laughs> I appreciate the plug, though. Belltobells.com. And you know what? That'll lead me into Jordan Grace, who I thought definitely had her breakout moment in this, too. Mm-hmm. Jordan Grace of Impact fame now. I thought she really delivered in this battle royal. Like, she was like, one. I thought she could have won. 
truthfully, at the end, mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought she was great in this. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we had we had a bunch of names in here. We had Moose, Brandon Cutler, uh, uh, Chucky e. T. Trent Beretta, Rocky Romero, Cheeseburger. I don't know if you guys remember Cheeseburger. He was there. Uh, the Hurricane, uh, Ethan Page, Tommy Dreamer, Jimmy Jacobs, Punishment Martinez, Austin Gunn and Billy Gunn, Marco Stunt, Brian Cage, of course, Jordan Grace, Colt Cabana, and Bully Ray. Um, yeah, I mean, probably one of the better battle royales that you'll see uh, ever uh, in professional wrestling. Um Warren, I'm going to go back to you here because we were talking about how Flip Gordon, you know, he hit these highs and then he kind of faded away a little bit. Uh, let's talk about a guy who opened the show and instantly uh, was was a star, I, I would say. Uh, let's, let's talk about MJF, uh, who was relatively unknown on a national stage until this event. Yeah, and uh, this was this was another major discovery, I think, for a lot of for a lot of wrestling fans. And his, I mean, he's been the complete opposite, right? He comes in with, you know, I wouldn't say without any buzz, but a, not as much as Flip. Like, if you just want to draw comparisons, not quite as with, within the vernacular, within the uh, not the vernacular, but in the uh, the 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 mind space of wrestling fans, mm-hmm. as Flip was. He comes in. Does it and has this fantastic heel gimmick, like just like doesn't care, just goes, just you completely buy into the fact that this guy is and a, a complete asshat. And ever since then, it's just been rising star, rising star, rising star. Mm-hmm. And he's become, you know, I know, I know this is a word that gets thrown around a lot in AEW, but he's become undeniable as far as a future, a future guy who will carry the business. He's one of them. He's absolutely one of them. It's crazy. He he loses to Matt Cross mm-hmm. in, in here, which is unthinkable again mm-hmm. in these days where he's super protected with, with reason. I'm not saying it's not a slight, you know, it's just, it, it, it's wild again when you consider the, the trajectories, but uh, yeah, he, it was a huge coming out moment for MJF. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I listen him back to my, uh, my review for this. I actually did a review. Number one, it sucked. Uh, like I was just like, oh man, what a rookie! What a rookie! Some of the mistakes I was making on there, and uh, when I was going back, I had no clue who MJF was. I was like, I really like that guy, though. I'm like, there's something there to him. And then I was more like, oh, son of havoc was great in this match, though. He was hitting all his spots. He did this. He did that. And Warren wonders what happened with Flip Gordon. I'm always going to wonder, why was Matt Cross not signed? He seems like a nice guy. You never hear really anything bad about him. And then all of a sudden, he just was never really, like, picked up again or really saw. I mean, he was in NWA for a little bit, and I think he's in MLW now. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe no one picked this guy up. I always thought he was great from the Tough Enough days, even. Yeah. And and this uh, this result, um, essentially the first match of the, the main card, it kind of look when you look back at it now, it, it says that maybe the the whole kind of a pathway to where AW wasn't fully set in stone, because as Warren said, MJF now is protected, arguably the most protected wrestler in AEW right now, and he's losing on the opening bout of of the first essentially the first pay per view. So that to me says they didn't have a a, a plan in stone that maybe. Um, the idea for AW came 
off the back of this rather than this being the 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 genesis of of AEW. I think I think this was the proof of concept, right? Mm-hmm. This was this was your minimal viable product where you put out and then you go see a Tony Khan and you say, "Let's call your dad and see if he has money. Look at what I can do with social media, just social media, choice wrestlers, smart booking. I can pack a ten thousand dollar, a ten thousand person arena. Imagine what we can do with TV, right? Like for short, this was an indie super show." This this is this is what it was, and it, it was an independent wrestling super show. AEW was maybe the was in was a twinkle in maybe the Bucks and Cody's eye at this point, but no one else knew, no one else ever thought that that it was it would lead directly into the creation of a new promotion. Oh, for sure. Um, we, the following match on the card would would be Christopher Daniels uh, taking on uh, actor. Stephen Amell from Green Arrow fame. Uh, Stephen Amell, of course, being a friend of the elite. Um, for an actor, he he actually put in a, a decent enough performance here. Uh, Christopher Daniels obviously carried him uh, all the way through uh, appropriately enough, but decent enough match, I, I felt. Um, it, it was fine. It, 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 it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it, it's hard to kind of... Uh... Um, just brush over the fact that Stephen Amell was on mm. this show. Like, like we keep saying, this was an indie show. This was booked on the back of social media, and they had a legitimate TV star in yeah. one of the matches. It's massive. That's a massive, massive thing uh, for uh, for essentially a non company to be able to pull off. It's it's mind blowing when you when you actually look at it and think, how did this? Indie show gets Stephen Amell to be part of a match and to go through tables. It's mental. Yeah, that was one of my favorite chants in this. It was the uh, Broken Arrow. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, that's so great. I love wrestling fans. Uh, Yeah, this was really fun. And big shout out to Jerry Lynn when he was uh, bowing up to people. I was like, go ahead, Jerry, package pile drive somebody. That's what I want to (laughs) do. As a a pure, unbiased referee, there's about to be a double count out. He's like, you know what? No, we're not doing that. Get in the ring, both of you. Get in there. Uh, fun. This match was fun to me. I don't know. I really liked this one. When I went back and like looked at it, I was like, this was a good match. Oh, for sure. And, 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 and you know what? I really actually got the same kind of vibes off of the next match, uh, which would be the four-corner survival match. Uh, uh, Tessa Blanchard, Dr. Britt Baker, Chelsea Green, and Madison Rain. Um, I'd heard of Tessa Blanchard, of course. Uh, I've heard of Madison Rain, but uh, Britt Baker, I-, I had not heard of, and 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 now she's this. She's the 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 women's face of AEW. Uh, she's the the current women's champion, and and I mean, obviously Chelsea Green went on to kind of be on WWE for for a little bit. Um, uh, essentially, on the back of this performance, she was uh, yeah. pretty yep. much booked because she, for me, she was the star of this match. Uh, obviously, Britt has gone on to be huge, but 
Uh, for me, I thought Chelsea was 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 brilliant in this match. She Tessa was. was Tessa. Tessa's always going to have a good match, whether you like her for uh, um, um, for the, the the controversy around her or not. She's always going to be a really good wrestler. Uh, like you, I didn't really know a lot about Britt Baker, but what I did like was the fact she came out to Adam Cole's music. That was oh, mwah. that was <laughs> such a great touch. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I feel like this really um, kind of, as as we noted with, um, you know, the Matt Cross and MJF match, this was really the, the, the baseline, the pace setter for what women's wrestling could be in AEW. Now, of course, they would not go on to get Madison Rain or Tessa Blanchard or, you know, Chelsea Green. Uh, but, you know, this showed that they were still dedicated to doing women's wrestling and highlighting women's wrestling in a very competitive way here on this show not just because it you know it's impact or it's ring of honor i mean they they really went into this match wanting to highlight how good women's wrestling can be outside of the wwe sphere of things yeah kind of like how um the recent comments of triple h kind of sparked some anger from people outside of the wwe I think it was kind of the same thing back then. It was just, it was all about the four horse women. And I think women's wrestling as a whole was just in the spotlight at that time. And there were just people like, Hey, I'm a name too. come watch me wrestle. And I think all four of the ladies did a good job with that. It was perfect. I I even like how they had um, the two guest panelists. I believe it was Mandy Leone and um, I almost called her Emma. Good Lord. Tennille Dashwood. Yes. uh, Commentary there. And, it had to be awkward because Neil Dashwood was like dating Zack Ryder right before. And then you see Chelsea Green in the ring doing like the woo woo. I was just like, ah, this is kind of weird. This is kind of <laughs> weird. I know, I know it's still wrestling. And now that's so far removed from people's minds. But at the time, I was just like, ah, so awkward for them to do that. But it was all fun, though. I like this match, too. This was another one. It's wild how much I, I think the main standout here is. Well, it's two things. First of all, Madison Rain was always awful. And that um, Britt Baker, how much Britt Baker uh, has evolved since this time. Like she, and she's evolved in what? Madison Rain stinks. I never liked her. She's terrible. You guys are laughing as if I just created some kind of controversy. Christ. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> Professionalism for me. Excuse me. Um, but- <laughs> <laughs> she stinks. What are you gonna do? Um, she, was, she was the name, though. She was the feature. She was. She was the name. No, no. I. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. I mean, I'm not taking away what she accomplished. You know, that mm. she. She made a. She look. The woman was able to make a business out of uh, make a living out of the wrestling business. Kudos to her. Because she's got a comprehension of it that I clearly don't because I would have never booked her in the first place. Now, mm, that mm-hmm. being said, Britt Baker, though, as far as we're going, Britt Baker is a complete turnaround. A complete 180 change. And not only because of the personality, but her in-ring, too, has tightened up so much. She's such a good wrestler now. Mm. And she... She ha- she always had the charisma. She had those intangibles. She had, you know, she had that uh, 
um, 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 uh, what oh, the um, je ne sais quoi? Yeah, you know, a little where, uh, those good reflexes when it comes to combat sports. You know, where she you, you could tell that she she got it and she wasn't natural at it. Mm. And now it's just become so refined and great. I it, it that's a complete uh, that that's also a, a great story from that point on to where she is today as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I remember being at the show in the Cedar Park Center, the H E B Center, uh, when they came to Austin, and I mean, it literally she dissed Waterburger, and people just like <laughs> lost their minds. They lost their minds. It was the worst heat that I've ever heard from a live crowd ever. And it was like, man, she she got it. She knew exactly what to do. Um, so yeah, she's she's awesome, Britt she Baker. Really is. Mm. Round of applause for Britt Baker. Really um, <laughs> next match on the card. Uh, weird placement. Really weird placement. It kind of blows my mind that the Cody and Nick Aldis match is just smack dab right in the middle of the card here. You know, Nick Aldis must have hated that. Oh, he must have absolutely loathed that. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I still can't figure it out uh, why this was here. Um, But here we are. Um, Cody, of course, was uh, walked out by his um, fight camp, as they said on commentary, uh, which consisted of Brandy Rhodes, uh, her her brother, her, her dad, Diamond Dallas Page, Glacier and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, what, what a and fight! Pharaoh. And Pharaoh. And Pharaoh. Um, I, I can't imagine what that that fight camp must have been like. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, Nick Aldis uh, would come out afterwards, along with Jeff Jarrett, Samuel Shaw, Sean Davari, and Tim Storm. Um, yeah, this match would be for the NWA title. It was originally scheduled to be almost half an hour, and we got 22 minutes uh, of, of this fine wrestling match. Um, Mags, what, what did you make of the, the ever-hyped main event in the middle of the card here? Yeah, this for me, this match had to live up to the build that we'd had, um, and it just about did. And the the reason why it, it nearly failed was the ridiculous amount of time it took Cody Rhodes to do a blade job. <laughs> uh, he, he was, he, it took a, at least five minutes for him. I mean, we, we had to get to the point where DDP came out and gave a diamond cutter to, to Devara just so he had time to blade. Uh, but aside from that, it had all the emotion uh, that it needed to have. It was a, a, a classic... Um, old school style uh, wrestling wrestling match. We got submission attempts. We got um, we just got all the the things that made NWA wrestling so damn good. Uh, and then we get the emotion of, of Cody winning. Um, it had to happen. It wouldn't have worked otherwise for me. Uh, I think it would have uh, deflated the rest of the show. Uh, but getting that uh, that image of Cody living up to uh, his dad's legacy, um, carrying on that name of, of, of the Rhodes uh, family, yeah, it, it was it was brilliant. It's just he needs to learn how to blade a little bit better. Oh, and he would go on to do so very <laughs> much so, on, a, on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> Conrad, did this match live up to the hype for you? Absolutely. Uh, I had this as probably the top match of the night. You could probably interchange it with another one that we haven't gotten to yet. 
But um, I really, really like this match for the build. Uh, everything that they had just going into it, you could feel the emotion. And I know that you guys are bringing up how I thought this would have made invented, like you guys were saying before. But I'm, I think if you look at it now, I think they're happy they didn't main event because I think the match would have been completely ruined if they would have. Um, mm-hmm. When you see this match, it has all of the NWA intangibles like Mags was bringing up. I love the fact that it was uh, – you saw the finisher of Nick Aldis hit and Brandy gets involved, and then you saw Cody hit the crossroads. There was all the shenanigans. I call it the Cody Road shenanigans in all of his matches. You got to have the hoopla and you're in the way. Oh, you went down. Oh, what's going to happen with this? And then they both kicked out of each other's finishers. And how do you end the match? There's only one way. No finisher. The classic SummerSlam 92 finish where it's like, oh, go for the sunset flip. Cody pins the legs. There's no way you should get out of that. One, two, three. Beautiful. And I always call those the Cody finishes. And I love that now that that's in like AEW matches all the time when Cody wins with the figure four. And it's like you never saw the match ending because now it makes me not want to take my eyes off the screen because I'm like, Hold on, someone might win off a of DDT. Let me make sure I'm paying attention versus a finisher. And I love that. I love it so much, Conrad. I love the idea of matches finishing with just someone beating the shit out of another guy. Like Walter <laughs> did. No, but like Walter did to Tommaso Ciampa a couple oh, of takeovers yeah. ago. And people are like, what? The match is finished? Christ! It's yeah. Walter clubbing you yeah. down. Beat him of with a chop. Of course it's going to knock you out. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, I, I, I love this idea of matches just being able to end without a signature move completing mm-hmm. it you know moxley when's the moxley i think for the longest time didn't win a match using the 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 paradigm shift right I, for mm-hmm. a, he had a long stretch of matches that he was winning without having to use the move to to finish i love that stuff and 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 you're right you know it's like there's an old school aspect to it you know it's just i it sort of helps break the mold that we've been in for the past 20 years where it's like hit the finisher match is done. No, there can be something else to it. And you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to kick out of finishers all the time either, but you know, it's just, yeah. finishes with the figure four instead of the crossroads. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to quickly go through the next match here. Um, uh, this is not one that would probably be best remembered for AEW lore for, for obvious reasons, mostly because the bulk of the story actually has to do with Joey Ryan, um, who um, I should not tell you why uh, we, we don't need to spend much time on this. Um, but Hangman Page versus Joey Janela actually have a very good Chicago street fight. This is right up Joey Janela's alley, and he makes Hangman Page look like a million bucks throughout the process uh which which i thought was was really nice um was my match of the night really oh i love this match i I absolutely i thought it was fantastic uh there i i I don't think um as much as the cody nicaldis thing was was a lot of fun especially in I, I think there was a lot of uh, of its charm that laid in the throwback aspect of it, which was super refreshing. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I really, really liked it. Uh, Paige and Janela just, just – and Penelope, she was bumping too. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone was just taking bumps the whole way through. I love this match. Wasn't this the – they had the Cracker Barrels? Wasn't it this yeah. that they were – this mm-hmm. was – 
And I had never heard, I'm Canadian, I'd never heard of Cracker Barrel. Like Cracker Barrel to me is, it's a brand of Kraft cheese, ah. you know? <laughs> so I was like, why, why does Kraft, what, it's Kraft sponsoring? Like I didn't, anyway, I, I, I'm digressing of course, but I, I thought this match was great. And, and it was a standout moment for, for Paige. Janella just Janella was Janella. It was fantastic. I love this match. Uh, the Cracker Barrel, uh, for those unaware, is a Southern breakfast food store. Uh, so you can get uh, you know pancakes and uh, biscuits. And uh, I've had all... some since. Oh, visiting you, the U.S. You yeah. visited? Okay. And and well, when I was visiting uh, my fiance Kristen, shout out belltobells.com, and uh, <laughs> and I told her it's like. I'm going to visit you, but we're planning a trip to to, to Cracker Barrel because there's no oh. Cracker Barrel in her immediate area, so we had to drive two hours to go to her Cracker Barrel. Wow! I was not disappointed. It's good. God, I ate so fucking much. Oh, it's great. I, I, I can even one up that story because Cracker Barrel sent me a baseball cap, even though I've never been to a Cracker Barrel, <laughs> and, I, and I also live thousands and thousands of miles away from one. Yeah, it's, it's that hospitality. You know, yeah, that, I'm gonna uh, one down this story, and I live in the U.S. <laughs> and I have never been to Cracker Barrel ever. Ah. <laughs> and I'm not the lightest man here, so let's just say that. I'm like, that's ah, what it is. So one day I'll have to go in there, I guess. It's good. I definitely recommend it. Um, but yeah, this was a a good match. Um, certainly marred by the the after effects of it um, with. Joey Ryan and mm-hmm. obviously hashtag speaking out and um, yeah if you want to look into that be my guest I'm, I'm not in the mood to talk about that because that's not what this episode's about um, we've got Jay Lethal defending the title on the next match here uh, against Flip Gordon who competed earlier in the evening in the uh, over budget battle royal um, we got a little bit of a surprise though because before the match went down, uh, we we actually saw Jay Lethal turn back into his his macho man gimmick uh, that he had impact fame. Uh, <laughs> Conrad, uh, I'll go over to you first. Uh, this this match was was actually pretty entertaining here between Flip Gordon and and uh, Jay Lethal as Flip had been trying to get a title shot for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Flip Gordon finally gets the opportunity he wanted. He's on the show, and he's presented on the big stage. Um, I thought that this was really fun for him to get to do. And I like the fact that Jay Lethal didn't come out as, like, the serious champion. I think we had a lot of that, and this was kind of fun, if that mm-hmm. makes more sense. Like, I think if he came out all serious, like, oh, it's another title match, just like the NWA one. This is all serious, and no time for fun, but Jay Lethal came out and was like, yeah, this is comedy a little bit. Let's have some fun with the black machismo gimmick and, you know, you twirl the arms around and it just made it a little bit more um, lighthearted, I guess we'll say. And it helped with the pacing, I think, of the show because sometimes you don't want to have too many of the same kinds of matches back to back. So I thought this was great what they both competitors did in this. Well, and you had Lanny Poffo too, which I thought was yeah. a, a really nice touch mm-hmm. as, as well. Yeah. Uh, Conrad nailed it. This was a palate cleanser that was in exactly the right place where it needed to be. It was that that fun comedy match? Uh, we got the the black machismo stuff. We've got Flip doing his uh, his never ending kip ups. It was yeah, it was a, a well placed and entertaining match. Mm-hmm. Um, next match here on the card, Warren. I'm going to go to you first. 
this 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 one here is what I would consider the best match on the card. Um, yes. By by just just that much though, um, a, a a super match between the IWGP Heavyweight Champion Kenny Omega, a Canadian, uh, against Mexico's own Pentagon Junior who in his own right is a multi-time champion. Uh, a, a very big clash of styles between these two works out to be a very good match. Uh, who are these guys again? Never, never. <laughs> <laughs> these are Any? above average Mark Sanders. <laughs> who, who wrestles under the name Kenny? You know, yeah, yeah, so- Brutus or, you know, you know Carl. Kenny? <laughs> it's funny. I don't have I don't have many memories of of this particular match. Isn't that weird? Like when when I was yes. when I was pre- okay. Thank you. When, <laughs> it, is, it is a bit weird. <laughs> when I was when I was preparing and you know rereading stuff and looking over the card, I was like, because I know the guys wrestled there. You know, I I remember Kenny cutting a promo on BT, calling him. Oh, isn't Penta that? hardcore guy on impact and i'm like what no the, the what are you talking about these he's that's not it um pento was one of my favorites off of lucha underground but once he was off lucha underground i was like wow okay i i think i think penta's career benefited tremendously from the editing on lucha underground let's put it that way <laughs> i don't think he's a bad wrestler but I don't think he's as good as he is in the minds of a lot of people because of how matches were put together, edited in Lucha Underground, where he came off as a complete monster. And that was fantastic. Um, but uh, I, I remember it being a good match. Don't get me wrong. You know, but what every but look, you ask me, I think when you talk about all in the I'm, hangman page and Joey Janela. That's always what's going to come to mind. That that's always the thing that that's going to stick with me. Um, but I mean, it like it was a big deal. You're, you said it yourself. You had the IWGP yeah. World, uh, no, not World Heavyweight Champion right there on uh, on stage in North America. Right, it's a huge deal. Reg- either way you, you you look at it. at the time, when was the last time New Japan had done a show? on North American soil. Like, uh, I mean, it, it opens so many possibilities. You're talking about forbidden doors these days, the doors that were open. Thanks to this match, new Japan was paying attention to this. Hell, they'd run a show with ring of honor afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it, it, this, this was a catalyst. This was, uh, there, there, there were so many opportunities that were created outside of AEW, of course, AEW, but outside of AEW as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Mags, I know that you appreciate the match as much as I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'm um, kind of blessed that I didn't get into Lucha Underground uh, when it was a thing uh, yeah. because I hadn't seen a lot of Penta. I'd heard of Penta, but I hadn't seen a lot of him. So seeing uh, the whole kind of Zero Miedo stuff and, and the hard-hitting style, these two went out to legitimately kill each other, like really end each other's careers and that's yeah. what I loved about it. It was so brutal. But then we get the, the the finish. Obviously Kenny wins being the champion. I understand that. Then the lights go down and you think, 
Fucking hell, it's an indie show. They've not paid the electric bill. What's happening here? And then Jericho comes in yeah. and we see the cord breaker and he pulls off the, the, the penta mask and it's just on you like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. No, for sure. Uh, Conrad, that what did this match do for you, sir? I'm going to also overhype this one a little bit. I think I had this as the highest grade when I reviewed it. So I think that this matchup was kind of a dream match for people who did watch Lucha Underground. Yes. So Kenny Omega, the IWGP, he's king shit over here. And then you got king shit in Lucha Underground, the edited version like Warren said. And I 100% <laughs> agree with Warren with the editing. I love Pentagon because he was the guy, if he came in the ring and you were there, you were getting written off the show. You knew mm-hmm. it. Like, your arm is getting broken. Yeah, you're dead. And it was just one of the <laughs> best things. Like, I loved it. And then he went over to Impact, I think, for a little while at this time, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. Yeah, with Ray Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were over there crushing it. And I was like, dude, this is such a dream match that we're going to get to see. It was a lot of fun. And it's a match now that when you look at AEW, oh, man, we don't have anything to do next week for the show. Uh, get one of those death triangle guys to put him against Kenny. It's, it'll be fun. It'll be good every <laughs> time. It's always good. It's always fun. Or put the Bucks in the tag match with them. And mm-hmm. I really think that both of those guys have really been valuable to AEW, no matter what they say. Actually, both groups from uh, Death Triangle and the Elite, like hundred percent, they can always deliver a good match when you need it. Oh, absolutely. And we'll we'll get to Ray Phoenix here just momentarily. Um, up next is Kazuchika Okada taking on Marty Skrull, uh, obviously, again, slightly controversial, but, you know, we'll, 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 I digress. We'll, we'll talk about the match here. The The story leading into it is Kazushiko Okada is the best wrestler in the world. Nobody's giving Marty Skrull a chance, and yet they go, again, controversially, nearly half an hour. Um, a lot of people said this match ran way, way, way over, um, considering the the main event that we'll talk to uh, talk about here shortly, um, but uh, this was a, a decent enough match here. I, I got to give Kazuchika Okada and Marty Scroll some props here as far as this match goes, Warren. Um, I you know, the the big the big thing here was look you had Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada who were both flown in from overseas to do this match to do this mm. show. I mean, sorry. Uh, even though they, they, you know, they weren't wrestling each other, which they shouldn't have. It's a New Japan thing. They shouldn't do it anywhere else than in a New Japan ring if they ever were ever going to do it again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- this, this is to the point of opportunities being created, right? Where you have your top guy Z, in New Japan coming in. And we, we haven't even talked about the other top guy who wasn't even signed at the time. Like he wasn't, he wasn't even under contract. But the, you bring in your new Japan guys, and people are excited to see them, and that was part of the appeal of All In. That's why it, it, it was such a, it was such a a, a mind blowing success. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm, I'm maybe focused a little more on the on the business side than the match itself. But I think it ties in really, really well here. For 20 years, two full decades, we have been talking, and even before that as well, you can argue, you can make a proper argument. We've been we've been told there's one way to do wrestling, and it's this way, and everyone has their own yard, and the other yards, 
not only do we not talk about them, we pretend they don't exist, right? This was, this was, I mean, I'm an old fan, so I remember supercards. I remember, I, I, I remember instances where you have partnerships where, you know, WCW would have New Japan guys come in. And like, I remember that era, but, you know, WWE never played that way ever, ever, ever. Well, at least not within, not since WCW uh, passed on. So this, I think for a lot of fans, this was a, a, a on, on one end, it's a, a it was a, a revelation because, oh, we can actually do this. This is cool. We can, we can have partnerships amongst wrestling promotions. Wrestler, this is neat. And a, a revelation, but also for some, maybe some of the older fans, I mean, like, oh, okay, well, this is good. This is good because there is no one company that is going to be able to compete with WWE. If everyone, if every, but there is still a a a a a, a, a slice of the pie out there that is available to, for for uh, for for people to to jump in on. But we're it'll be we're going to share this the, this piece of the pie, and if we all work together, we'll be able to benefit more from it than if we're just still in our silos and pretending that the outside world doesn't exist. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I love that, you know, uh, that, that, that analogy and that, that, that thought process for sure. Um, Conrad, what do you think of this match here? Okada and Skrull, even despite it's very long length here. All I can say is I would be pissed if I was in the main event and they did that. <laughs> That's sure. all I was thinking while watching this. I'm like, bro, did they pay for overtime on this? I'm like, you know, as a wrestling fan, you look at the clock, you're like, they still got one more match. What are these guys doing right now? Kick out! I'm like, this is cool, but I think someone backstage is going to be pissed. And they're not going to like this. And it was a fantastic match. I really don't have uh, too much to really say about it. Like you said in the beginning, I don't want to glorify some people in this by even mentioning their name but uh it was a good match the right guy went over and i was i was happy with it from what i saw at the time mm-hmm. good deal i mean i mean to to kind of echo what comrade uh, said you don't bring someone of the level of of kazuchi okada who is essentially was the best wrestler in the world at that time and say yeah you're just getting 40 minutes is that <laughs> no, I'm not. You're telling me I'm getting 40 minutes. Hell no. I'm going half an hour, bitches. And he <laughs> went and went half an hour, as Kazuchika Okada was going to do. Um, so the match was decent. Uh, again, I'm not, I don't want to give uh, much press to to, uh, to Okada's um, opponent. I know he got a lot of the flat for, for the time going over. But again, was he in the position where he could say to, look, Kazu, We've got to cut this short. <laughs> <laughs> Kazu, my pals are running the show. You know, the ref, or, or is that, I don't know if you understand English really well, but the ref just told us to go home. The ref just told <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. So, so let's get, let's get to the main event there because boy, howdy, what a, what a match this would have been uh, had all the cards. Funny fallen in, into place correctly um, we were talking about dream matches before between Kenny Omega and, and Pentagon, we were talking about Cody and Nick Aldis we were talking about you know all the potential that this card had uh, this match here Kota Ibushi and the Young Bucks taking on this 
this Lucha Libre super team mm-hmm. of Rey Mysterio, Rey Phoenix, and Bandito, who uh, instantly became one of my favorite wrestlers after this match. Uh, th- for for twelve minutes, this is the best twelve minute match that you can find on the planet, in my professional estimate here. But but don't just take it from me, Mags. What did you think of this match? <laughs> this like if this could have had that extra twelve minutes that uh, greedy Kazuchika Okada wanted, <laughs> it would have been it would have been a five star classic. But what we got was. 12 minutes of you don't blink because you were going to miss something. Uh, you had the, the essentially a, a past, present, and future uh, Lucha Libre team in, in uh, the two Rays and Bandido. I knew nothing about before this match, absolutely nothing. And he was an absolute star. That, that headstand move that he did was, oh, my God, he was so, right. so damn good. And it was just a massive, massive spot fest. Which is not um, is not a detriment at all because it just worked perfectly. It was a great way to send home the fans happy. They watched the most entertaining, lightning fast twelve minutes match. Uh, the card ended with about what ten seconds of the of the pay per view to go, so they absolutely nailed it. Uh, and these all speak different languages. I mean, you, you're talking about. <laughs> Three different languages that, that, that these guys speak, and you can legitimately hear Rey Mysterio trying to translate to make sure that uh, Phoenix and Bandino are, are getting the spots in. But it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. A perfect way to end a, a really well-done show. And, um, yeah, it was just... I loved it. I loved every second of it. Conrad, thoughts on the match? And, and uh, as Max pointed out, Rey Mysterio, the legend... Uh, Rey Mysterio is on this card. Uh, how? Rey Maestro. I always have to say like Santino when I when I hear Rey Mysterio's <laughs> name. Rey Mysterio. I think this was Cody's doing. Cody knows that Rey Mysterio kind of made him a made man in WWE, like seen as a singles competitor and taken serious when he put him over at WrestleMania 27. And I believe to this day, if Rey Mysterio's contract ever runs out and he needs somewhere to go. Cody's going to take care of him. And I think that's why he said, you know what? Main event, give it to Ray. He deserves it. And number one, badass Wolverine attire. For any X-Men fan. (laughs) That's right. That This is dope. Uh, Let me get back out of the super nerdum, back to regular nerdum here for wrestling. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I'm a nerd all the way around. But I think that you couldn't put – a better group of people or a better match to go on last if you needed 12 minutes and you were like, guys, we need a bunch of spots to just do this. The Young Bucks, Ray Phoenix, Ray Mysterio, all the names, it's just perfect. Like, yeah, I'll go in there. I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do. And I love the fact that Kota Ibushi was in this match as well. The free agent at the time. This dude was going everywhere and just tearing it up and nobody could sign him. He was the uh, Cinderella. Like, who does this glass slipper belong to? Coda, wear it, please. I want you in the Cruiserweight Classic. Nah, I'm good. Please, we'll give you the New Japan title. Not right now. I'm all right. I'll, I'll just go over here for a little bit. It was just perfect how all of it worked together. And like you said, with 10 seconds to spare, best guys to go in there and do it. They delivered, I thought, mm-hmm. on all aspects of what they had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren, as, as, uh, as, as Conrad just pointed out, um, 
Kota Ibushi, just the year prior, was competing in WWE in the Cruiserweight Classic and then ends up here in this match uh, with, again, the Young Bucks, Ray Phoenix, Ray Mysterio, and Bandito. This is a a mind-blowing match. So so obviously you talked about Kota Ibushi. Tell me about your thoughts on him and and your thoughts on this match here. Oh, listen, Kota, Kota has lived a charmed life. Right. And, and he's not even he's not he's not a guy. He did his training his own way. He didn't do any of the dojo systems like he just eh, I'll just do whatever he wants. And he's so friggin good. at. That's the thing is like probably at some point there's people who get pissed off at him, but he's so good at what he does. Hmm. He connects so naturally with the audience like he's he's just a guy who's naturally charismatic. I hear tell he's a terrible promo. Like apparently like when he speaks the way he delivers his lines in Japan or when he, when he does his promos, I shouldn't say deliver his lines and it's, it's not WWE, but apparently he's not a very good promo, but outside of that, like the, the guy, the guy is, and he's insane. He he doesn't like himself. He hates his neck. So, so on top of that, when you see him, when you see him in this match and you hear the story, you guys remember the story that they lost Coda at the airport. You remember the story, right? Yeah. 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 So it's like, this is this is a legend. This is a legendary. So, so like on top of everything, on top of all these matches, on top of everyone showing up here, you've got this great meta legendary story that people are going to be talking about in 40, 50 years. The story of Kota Ibushi when he came to North America and got lost in the airport. Like it's it. And it's the most Kota Ibushi thing on top of that. The match was fantastic. And I think what we need to underscore here. Yeah, circling back warren talks about everything except the matches but circling back you know ray ray mysterio in the match chris jericho i think it's important again to underscore here how important it was for the legitimacy of the show to have guys like this wwe guys names not just not fucking mojo raleigh you know it's like i'm talking uh uh uh, chris jericho what i mean Good for, good for Mojo if he gets bullied. I mean, you know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna stop the presses. You know, it's like anyway, <laughs> two legitimate WWE superstars, guys who are careers, who have careers spanning decades. Uh, I think you know, Rey Mysterio, one of the most uh, a true to form legend in the term legend, not the WWE version of legend, a real legend in the business in lucha libre who's who, who's on this show chris jericho shows up who is a a major star still i think that that also was part of this proof of concept that cody and the bucks created here it's like we can we can sure we can book we can book the indie guys they're all they're all scratching for dates regardless but we can also bring in some of our friends and that's really cool too. <laughs> I I absolutely agree. Uh, this this match again is the best match under twelve minutes that you'll ever see. Uh, definitely, if you haven't checked out this pay per view show, you absolutely should. Uh, I believe it's still available on Fight TV, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it's money well spent if you come across it um, when you're scrolling through. So go and check out uh, a. Well, I, I guess it's not AEW. It's just all, all in uh, until they buy the tape. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, for the AEW Network. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> coming soon. Uh, so yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, gentlemen, it's been an honor and a pleasure having all three of you here. Uh, well, let's go home then uh, here on this wonderful episode. Uh, uh, first off, uh, we'll, we'll go to Warren. Warren, uh, where can people find more of you and your content? Well, first of all, Tanner, thank you very much for having me on your on your last show. It is a it is a, a, a truly a privilege and was good to talk about the genesis of something as you're bowing out gracefully. I love there's beautiful symbolism here. Are you a poet, Tanner? A, a little bit. A, a little, little bit. A okay. little Mags won't tell you as such, but but I, I'd but, never but, believe but, what anything <laughs> Mag says. It's, it's, there's no point in it. You can follow me on, uh, find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. That's where uh, all my videos send up. My, that's where I record my podcast live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, please join me. It's a lot of fun. You can follow me on Twitter as well at uh, Mr. Warren Hayes. And uh, I'm also co-owner of belltobells.com, uh, women's wrestling. That's what we talk about there, belltobells.com or belltobells on Twitter as well. And Tanner, enjoy your retirement. Oh well, thank you. It won't be a full time retirement. But know, the, the, this show, I'm, absolutely. I'm when is it a full time retirement in wrestling? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, I'm gonna come back in two years. I'm gonna put some figure fours on some people. It's gonna be great. No, but thank you, Warren, for for coming on again. It's been an absolute pleasure to to have you on the show, and I'm so glad that you were able to make it here. Um, Conrad, you as well. Thank you for coming on the show uh, again. It's been a long time in, in the making, as we noted earlier. Uh, please tell us where we can find more of your content, sir. Not so fast. I have to thank you, first and foremost, for allowing me to come on the show. Um, You could have picked anyone else, so I'm very grateful to be in here with this elite company right now. No pun intended. But um, I appreciate that, and I do appreciate the times. Uh, I listen to your podcast, all of you guys, actually. But I listen to yours often back in the day when you guys were doing Headlock Talk. And uh, I always loved the hot takes and everything else that you guys did. So really good stuff. And it was an honor to uh, work with you when we were doing Brain Buster Radio and all that stuff together, too. Um, You guys can just type in Everything Pro Wrestling. You guys can find me on YouTube. I also have a podcast. Type in Everything Pro Wrestling on all your podcast platforms. Hit subscribe. Show me some love. Kick it off to Magsy, man. I, I got nothing to say, but thanks. And I know that we're going to see the Michael Jordan, the little, he'll come up with some cryptic tweet or I'm back next week. And I'm here before it happens. So and I'll listen no matter what. So thank you, Tanner. Absolutely, man. No, thank you. I, I sincerely appreciate it. Like I said, this is years in the making getting us together onto a show and to, to have it be on the last one, it, it means the world. And, and I, I couldn't thank uh, the two of you enough. Max, I'm seeing you this weekend. Where can people find more of you and your content? <laughs> Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, follow my uh, uh, illustrious um, core guests and and thank you for for giving this opportunity. Uh, we've been friends for a, for a long while now, uh, and it's always a pleasure to to create content with you. Um, I also want to kind of whilst I'm here, I'm gonna go into the old Magsy gimmick of uh, putting people over. Um, the, <laughs> 
Warren and Conrad are two people who I've looked up to uh, in terms of content creation since day one. I reached out to both guys uh, when I was uh, even formulating the idea of, of coming out with uh, with my own content, and they were both gracious with their time and their support. Um, and to see where they've come and where I want to be as a creator, uh, they are forever uh, a massive, massive inspiration to us. Uh, in terms of my content, I am on every single podcast that there's ever been, um, even podcasts that are not even out yet i've been on them podcasts already um but yeah i'm uh, i mainly focus on uh, mma and football and i throw in a little bit of wrestling but you can find all my content uh on my twitter feed at podfathermax absolutely well and that and that really is full circle right there because you know you're drawing inspiration from warren and, and 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 conrad i kind of drew a little bit of inspiration from all three of you you and I do it. it May the is, Lord this... have mercy on your soul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so awesome. Uh, the show ran a little bit long, and I do apologize to the three of you guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, I... goddamn Kazuchika Kata's fault again. <laughs> I blame, I blame Kazu. Yeah, we really ran long on that segment. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, in all seriousness, it's been an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to work with all three of you and to each and every person who's ever been on Headlock Talk, to any anybody who's listened to Headlock Talk, to anybody who's given me a like or a retweet on Twitter from that account. I sincerely appreciate you. I appreciate uh, my co-host, Steven, who unfortunately was not able to make this series of episodes, uh, but I thank him nonetheless. I hope you're doing well out there if you're listening to this episode. And uh, you guys take care. You can find more of my stuff uh, every week with Mags on the Change in Attitude or uh, over on Radio Techers where we talk about proper football uh, going on in the world right now. Uh, as of the time of this episode, it's, it's actually the semifinals of the Euro 2020 Cup. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about the Premier League very, very soon. But uh, until next time, whenever that may be, we thank you for uh, to whoever you are, wherever you are, for listening. And uh, have yourselves a great rest of your day. Bye-bye!